This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi and welcome everyone. You're listening to Going for Goal, the weekly women's health podcast. My name's Rosheen. I'm senior editor on women's health and this is your weekly chance to plug in, be inspired and get expert advice on how to achieve the health and wellness goals that matter most to you. This week, we're talking about drinking and looking at the goal of how you can form a healthier relationship with alcohol. Boozing, getting on it, taking the edge off, whatever your tipple of choice and however you choose to use booze, my guest today is adamant that we all need to do a lot more thinking about our drinking. He is Professor David Nutt. He's Professor of Neuropsychopharmacology, which is definitely probably not one to say after a few carvers, at Imperial College London. And full disclosure, he loves a wine now and then. So he is so fascinated with alcohol. And even though he studies the impacts of illegal drugs to everything from LSD to ketamine, he's really outspoken about the need for us all to understand the potential harms that alcohol poses to our health and for us to be able to treat alcohol with respect and care in order for us to get the most benefit out of it. His new book is fascinating. It's called Drink, The New Science of Alcohol and Your Health. It came out a few months back, but the issues it goes into are so timely right now. As something I think we can all relate to is the fact that our drinking habits have probably been altered during lockdown and unlockdown and whatever stage we're in right now. You know, maybe you use booze as stress salve and your units are really stacked up during lockdown. Or maybe you're more the kind of drinker who drinks to feel confident in social situations. So you cut right down while staying home and you felt the benefits, which is great. But now you're able to drink rosé in the park with your friends again. um, And this is being actively encouraged by all sides. You're wondering how to maintain these new moderate habits. We'll go into all of this in today's episode. This isn't a conversation that says don't drink or go sober. This is just someone who's really qualified in this area, giving us all the tools to be able to take an honest analytical view of the way that we drink in order for us all to have a happier and healthier relationship with booze. Because drinking, as he says, should be a positive thing. Here's what you need to know to keep it that way. Let's get stuck in. Professor David Nutt, um, welcome to Going for Goal. It's a pleasure to be on with you. No, thank you so much for coming on. And I think now is such an interesting time to be thinking about alcohol. I think it's been a real topic of discussion during lockdown. Um, You come at the discussion around alcohol from a very interesting perspective. Um, Your new book, Drink, The New Science of Alcohol 
and your health really merges both of these together. So you look at the science behind the effect that alcohol has on our has on our health and you look at the dangers, but you're not you're not anti-drinking, are you? No, I'm not anti-drinking. I drink. Uh, I enjoy drink. I think, uh, like many people, drink is a very important aspect of our lives. It's particularly a powerful way of uh, engaging in social activity. And as as everyone knows, you know, we, we use alcohol from the day we're born to celebrate the birth of a new baby to commiserate with uh, with the death of a loved one. So, alcohol has been part of human society for many thousands of years. So. It, the challenge is, and what the book's about, is trying to understand it, uh, and, and there is a new science to it, but also to come to terms with how we use it so we get all, we can maximise the benefits but minimise the, um, the drawbacks. Why is this something that we should be thinking about? Why is it a worthy health goal? Uh, well, that's a, a really very good question. And it, it's probably, if, you know, 40, 50 years ago, people would have, not understood the, the huge health impact of alcohol but in those days people thought well alcohol's a problem just for the people who drink excessively become dependent you know end up losing their jobs and their, their families mm. etc the alcoholic but over the last 50 years it's become much clearer that uh, alcohol has an impact on the lives of most people who drink in fact one of the most remarkable things i discovered in terms of researching the book was that there is no real safe dose of alcohol. Every drink brings with it a little risk. And and as because consumption of alcohol in the UK has gone up a lot in the last 50 years, we've seen a big increase in the uh, number of people who are coming to hospital with illnesses which are in part caused by alcohol. And those include things like your, that your listeners will know well, like liver cirrhosis, but also things they won't know about, such as stroke, such as breast cancer, and such mm. as high blood pressure. And, and there's that realization that alcohol has a huge impact. Alcohol is involved in over 200 different disorders. So we're beginning to realize that alcohol has more of a downside. And in fact, it's after tobacco, it's the leading cause of you know, premature death in the world. So it's interesting to reflect on what's going to happen this year. COVID, coronavirus, there will be an excess deaths of probably a million in 2020. Well, alcohol will kill three and a half million in the world and tobacco seven million. So, you know, it's, it's a serious mm. cause of premature death. Uh, and what's different from alcohol is different from coronavirus is that alcohol tends to often kills young people um i'm pretty sure if we carry on drinking the way we are drinking it'll be the leading cause of death in women under the age of 50 within just a few years because women we know mm. are drinking more now than they were before more than men even it feels so personal when we talk about someone's drinking habits and i thought that was what was so brilliant about your book i read it all in one sitting um and it wasn't the most comfortable read because it's just there's so much there's so much information, but also you are very clear about how important it is to almost analyze where you're at and kind of understand your relationship with alcohol, maybe what you use alcohol for. So one of the key messages in the book is just know what you're drinking, count your drinking, think about your drinking. You know, in the same way, most most I imagine most women who listen to this podcast will be extremely conscientious about 
what they eat and when they eat. But the reality is that, that, that unless you care about your alcohol, you're not going to optimize its value to you. And in my uh, professional practice as a psychiatrist, and I, I was working in the field in part of addiction, you know, alcohol is many, many, many more people are addicted to alcohol in Britain than are addicted to heroin. So it's it's a huge problem at the level of psychiatry, at medicine, and in, and in, in, in terms of general health, and in fact, in terms of global health. Mm. So, the, so the key message for, in, in the book, really, there, there, there's a simple strap line, which is thinking about drinking. Don't drink without thinking. Every every drink you should savor in the same way as you would savor food. You would decide, I'm going to have that particular meal. I'm going to look forward to that meal. I'm going to have maybe a glass of wine with it. So just know how much you drink. I'm not saying don't drink. I'm saying monitor what you drink and try to reduce it. And the best way mm. to reduce it is to only drink drinks that are really useful to you, drinks it really that you can appreciate in terms of the taste and, or the effect, and only drink when you're getting a benefit, like you drink socially, but don't drink just in front of the TV because you just happen to have a half a bottle of wine and you're going, you don't want to, can't be bothered to put it back in the fridge. For some people, drinking is almost like an escape from thinking. It's oh, almost absolutely. like it's something that you don't need to think about. So actually this idea that you should then be thinking and engaging and really analysing your drinking is quite scary. Well, you've hit the nail right on the head there because, of course, for most of us, the reason we drink is to reduce stress. Mm. We want to take away the need to think. And, of course, that's one of the absurdities of the current government strategy about drinking, which basically says drink responsibly. But for a lot of young people, the whole purpose of drinking is to lose responsibility. So alcohol is a very cunning drug in that sense. It's a, it changes your brain so that you actually welcome the effects rather than become concerned about them. And that's why you have to think before you drink. Because once you've started, it's very, very difficult in any particular drinking bout, it's very difficult then to put the brakes on because alcohol, it's, it's moorish. It makes you want to have more of it but also it takes away all those that willpower that you had initially when you you, you didn't want to want to have too much in that mm. sense it's quite it's different to food i mean maybe chocolate's a bit similar once people start they often have to chew the way through the whole of the bar but but alcohol takes away the desire you have the, the willpower you had to actually not drink too much and for some people, of course, that leads, lends them and turns them into binge drinkers. Uh, and they, uh, once they've lost control, then they, there's, there's no stopping them in any particular bout of drinking. Mm. There seems to be two camps. And there was the people who, and maybe they're more social drinkers, they're the people who hadn't really touched a drop in lockdown because most of their social opportunities had had gone and maybe they'd maybe occasionally have a drink on Zoom with someone, but their kind of drinking habits had slipped away. And then there seemed to be the people who had end up, ended up drinking more, more to kind of cope and more with the stress and it becoming more of a habitual thing rather than a celebratory thing. That's a very good way of putting it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if you if people who, who only drank socially you know, at parties or going out with their friends is, and who didn't drink at home generally would probably have little problem in coping with um reducing their drinking in uh, when they're on lockdown and there are two reasons for that one is they're not used to drinking every night of the week so so they don't miss it 
And the other, of course, is that they're not tolerant. So the, <laughs> the stopping drinking, even at the weekends, doesn't lead to any kind of withdrawal or craving. But the people who drink, and this is the, the majority of people who get into trouble with drinking, are drinking because they're using it to reduce stress. And, uh, and if you're using it at home to reduce the stress of being at work, and you're drinking pretty much every night as a result of that, then lockdown is just another stress. Uh, and it's a, actually, in some ways, you know, it's a peculiar stress that you don't have any natural skills to deal with. You know, that you've got the added stress. Are you going to get your job back? Are you, are you getting enough money if you're on furlough? You've got the added stress of actually being in the room with, with you know, with maybe a partner and maybe children who are kind of driving you mad. So so those people who use alcohol for stress are going to find the lockdown a real problem. And we've seen this in the surveys that have been done. You know, some people have cut down their drinking, but others have increased their drinking. I think there's the sales went up at the start, wasn't there? And then there was some back and forth about whether this was just people stockpiling or whether this was indicative of people drinking more. No, I think overall there's more drink. I think overall, I think that I think it's the, the makers of booze are the people who've probably done uh, best or out of this uh, the lockdown, even better than yeah. the sort of supermarkets are delivering food. Yeah, so interesting. And so, and I think what comes across really well in your book as well as the fact that as well as the fact that you are not anti-booze on any level but you are pro kind of empowering people with the information to allow them to enjoy drinking in the most positive way possible alongside that there was also the sense of uh that you didn't really want people to get into a cycle of self-blame and I think that is I think that's really important with this discussion and say if so the conversation that we're having here about uh, people in lockdown drinking more and they're drinking it to cope if someone's listening and going oh my god and they're kind of cringing in recognition at what you're saying what would you want them to know right now and what would be your suggestions for steps to go forward the key message is to is to monitor what you're drinking and to work out why you're drinking so much of the unless excess damage from alcohol is, is incurred because people don't actually know how much they are drinking so if you if you if you are sitting at home now and you and listening to this with a glass of wine in your hand think ah is that the first glass maybe that should be the only glass maybe let's try to develop a, a relationship with alcohol where you get the the greatest benefit and, and that comes usually from the first or the second glass for most people there's almost no benefit drinking more than that in a particular evening say so that's that's so just 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 know what you count what you're drinking work out what you're drinking and then um be aware that it, the relationship between how much you drink and and the harm effects it's not what we call linear it doesn't go up it doesn't if when you go from one to two you don't double the risks you actually increase the risks by about threefold and then if you go from two to six you increase the risk by about 20 fold so so the next key message is never never really drink excessively uh, in any one time not just because that episode of drunkenness and binging is in itself very risky perhaps less so if you're sitting at home in front of the tv you're not going to fall over mm. and under a bus or anything but it the tolerance alcohol is a very cunning drug the tolerance it develops means that you can then drink more and uh, and you actually need a bit more to have the effect so it kind of winds you up and gradually get onto this nasty vicious cycle of drinking more to get the same effect and then it's harder to stop because then you have withdrawal when you do stop 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Something that you spell out really nicely in the book is you kind of almost give people a, like a week-by-week plan and it's like these steps in which you can really analyze your drinking without going into all of it, obviously. Mm-hmm. Could you surmise or give one of the key steps that people should do in maybe in weeks one to four? So monitor what you're drinking. Keep a diary. Work out work out when you, you know, just write down, you know, what you're drinking. There's no, no shame. You know, just write it down as a fact. And then, and this is really critical, then try to work out which of those drinks are really really did what you wanted you know which of them really gave you the pleasure the sociability which of them really really were worth drinking mm-hmm. and then if there was then look at the ones that the ones at the bottom of the, uh, the sort of priority why did you do that was it just a bad habit was it was it that you um were forced to because your friends were drinking more than you wanted them to you know were those pressures being put on and obviously that's not quite the same in in lockdown it won't be quite as you know the, some of the motivations will be different and then of course most importantly um monitor write down well, did you actually get any benefit from that because mm. if you can identify drinking on occasions or the way you know the, the way or the people you were drinking with which actually didn't give you any benefit at all just wasted your money or even got you into trouble you know maybe you did things that you regret afterwards then look at the triggers for that what why was that was it that you actually uh, we're dealing with something else, you know. Do you are you actually drinking because you're very unhappy or because you're very stressed? And then, if that's the case, get some help for that because alcohol is not a good treatment for depression or anxiety. So, if someone is there and they've, they've got to the point and they're thinking, like, right, I am actually really unhappy, and say maybe then they are going to reach out and try and get some online counselling or something or they're going to get in touch with their GP to talk about medication or Mm. even if someone doesn't think that they have full symptoms of a mental Mm. illness but they're thinking right my routine is out of whack I'm not Mm. what the way I set up my days is not best serving me I'm going to get serious about I don't know um, reinvigorating their meditation practice or Mm -hmm. making sure that they're 
they're picking up their their exercise and their nutrition Mm -hmm. how long does obviously you've got real understanding of the workings of the brain how long if someone does try to put in these habits so when they start saying okay I'm going to say no to that drink because that doesn't make me feel good or I'm going to stop drinking on weeknights because it just Mm -hmm, makes me feel mm -hmm, sluggish mm -hmm. in the morning how long will it take for the brain for that to stop being really hard (laughs) if it's been a regular (laughs) habit (laughs) that's a great yeah for, for the average person there won't be much withdrawal so the average person won't get, you know, the, it, to have withdrawal, you won't generally have to be drinking every night or having a bin. So you, you know, if you, if you've not been, if you've not been doing that, you won't get much withdrawal. So what what will what you're trying to do then is you're trying to just uh, forget or, uh, ex- as we call sort of in technical terms, extinguish the habit of drinking, mm. and that won't be easy in the sense that it. it um, you, the temptations or the incidents or the occurrences which led you to drink inappropriately, they will re- reoccur. They will reemerge. You know, when after certainly after lockdown, they will. You know, if, mm. you know, if you used to go out every Thursday night with your mates, uh, they'll probably, you'll probably start doing that again. Uh, and then, but if you've identified that as not being a good time for drinking, then you need a strategy. But let me come back to that in a second. This, it's, 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 your specific mm. point is that what you're trying to do essentially by changing your behaviour is to bring in better habits. Mm. And and actually, I mean, what's fascinating is you mentioned uh, sort of meditation. Well, meditation is. It, it, it getting you into the same kind of towards a similar brain state as you might get with when you're drinking you know, it's a it's a way of coping detaching yourself from stress and putting yourself into a place where you actually are more relaxed so it's harder it's harder i mean meditation is a lot harder to do than drinking but it does get you to the same place so if you can get if that's your if you can replace some of your drinking with meditation that's unquestionably a good thing for several reasons and then exercise, interestingly, also exercise produces changes in the brain which are not dissimilar to some of the f- chemical changes produced by alcohol. So, you know, th- that sense of well-being that you have after exercise is probably got to, to share as a chemical basis with alcohol. So th- so those are ways of kind of replacing the, the need for alcohol to deal with stress. Mm. But when you get back to the ha- – when you get to the kind of more social habits, then you've got to think really quite carefully because – so much of our, our our social lives are entwined with alcohol. So, and uh, and, and uh, you know, as I said at the beginning, alcohol is the best drug for sociability. There is no no well, maybe ecstasy, but you know that's illegal. So, in reality, most of us become social, more social, and more pleasant uh, under the influence of alcohol. And uh, and if that's if all you're drinking is, is social in a, in a social situation, then you have to think: is the ben- the social benefit is it outweighing the harm? The social life is kind of gr- the gears are like grinding back. It's kind of getting back to normal. Lots of it is related to alcohol, and especially when people are so excited to see each other and they want to celebrate. Mm. And there's this mm. sense of mm. using a drinks metaphor here, but like the cork being popped off the bottle. How do people stick to their guns? Well, the first thing is be, be remember that when if you have really cut down your drinking as a result of um, lockdown, you are more vulnerable to getting drunk. So, re, be, you know, be, be aware of that. Don't go, you know, if you were a heavy drinker and you don't go straight back to drinking the levels that you previously drank because you won't have the tolerance and therefore you can come to much more harm. And actually, that's one of the benefits of um, 
of cutting down is that if you then resume drinking at a lower level, you'll get more benefit, you're more bang for your buck because your brain will be more sensitive to the effects of alcohol if you've um, lost tolerance. So that's the first thing. Be, be very careful about not, not don't overdo it. There is no shame at present in saying, I don't want to eat the third cream cake because I'm on a diet. In fact, people, people say I'm on a diet all the time. So why not mm. say, look, I'm actually on a diet. I'm on an alcohol diet. Alcohol's got it's got a lot of calories in it. So I'm actually, you know, I, I, I'm not going to consume as much as I used to because I've realised a I don't need to, b to drink more is not going to be very safe because I've cut down, and thirdly, you know, I I don't want to run the risks and and uh, you know and the calories and and the potential harm. So have that sensible discussion with your friends. Speaking of then, like body composition, which is something that is really important to our listeners. Mm. How, say if someone is exercising, our listeners exercise a lot, say they are exercising a lot and they are taking, like they are kind of mindful of their nutrition, but they would enjoy a couple of glasses of wine, say three or four nights a week, maybe more on say like the Saturday. What effect is that going to have on the way they their bodies hold on to fat? And what can they... Does it does their drinking cancel out their efforts in other areas? The issue of body body women and, and, and alcohol is an important one because they have a different body composition. Even the very athletic women have more of a higher level of fat um, uh, you know, ratio of fat to, to muscle than men, which means that, that women get higher blood levels for a given amount of alcohol. Women are smaller, and they've got more fat. So. Uh, a woman, even a say a seventy kilo woman, a big woman compared with a seventy kilo man, will have a higher blood level of alcohol for the gi- a given level of alcohol intake, and that does make women more vulnerable to getting drunk, uh, particularly if they drink fast. And, uh, and that's one of the reasons. You know, it's there are benefits of being a woman in the sense that the the harms of alcohol are actually um, greater in men. So women get more intoxicated faster, but I think a lot of women just work that out and don't drink so fast. But over over time, a chronic with repeated drinking over many years, when men men suffer more than women, the the uh, the relationship between consumption and, and, and harms for men is steeper than for women, and that's um, mm. possibly we think due to estrogens, and um, it's uh, it's also a bit complicated because it's sort of tied up with the fact that men often fight and get drunk. What does fourteen units? That's the recommended weekly amount that we should be consuming. What does that look like? So a unit is uh, eight grams of alcohol. So that's uh, ten deciliters of alcohol. So the question is, what are you drinking? So if you're drinking uh, a bottle of wine, then a bottle of wine will contain seven fifty mils of uh, of fluid. Okay. And uh, so they divide that by 10, so that's 75 uh, mils of alcohol. So that's sort of, you know, that's getting up to about uh, seven units, seven and a half units, okay? Mm. So there you go. So it's two bottles of wine a week if you're drinking, like, you know, 10% wine. If it's stronger wine than that, then, it will, you know, it would be more. It would be less. It would be you know, maybe just two bottles a week. So that's the kind of that's the that's where the threshold is for wine, and then this for beer. You know, most pints of beer have got two units in them. Uh, uh, a serving of uh, a small serving of uh, of a spirit would be about one unit. So 
that fourteen it's very easy to get to fourteen units in in a week because we're in a society that we've got a very like laissez faire attitude to drinking and because we are a culture that sees drinking and heavy drinking is okay, I guess it's that no one's ever gonna really tell you not to do it or mm. no one's ever and you're and that as you say if you're never getting these signs a that you're dependent or you're never getting these horrendous side effects, then there's almost nothing. There's almost nothing physical telling you. It's like you've almost kind of got to make that decision for yourself. It's like you've kind of got to intervene. For the majority of people, the only time they discovered they were drinking excessively is when the doctor says, oh, you've got breast cancer, or you've got fatty liver, or you've got, oh my goodness, your blood pressure is really high. For each of us, we should, the, the real challenge is working out how to get the benefits of, uh, of alcohol, if we like alcohol, and, and, and that's about drinking stuff you really enjoy drinking with friends people you really like drinking with a really important piece of advice to anyone who's living alone is try not to drink alone if you're a single i mean it's if you're a single mother or a single person a single woman just if you only drank socially you would almost certainly uh, rarely exceed what would be considered a the safe threshold for, for drinking I wanted to give two tips. The first tip, in context, always ask for a, never ask for a large, right? Never, mm. ever ask for a large. Or if they say large, you say, no, I want, a, I want a medium. Or a, if you've got the balls, ask for a small. But the second thing, I want to get back to drinking at home. The key message I give to couples is never open a second bottle. If you open a bottle of wine for a meal, well, the first is never drink with never drink with a meal because that's a recipe for for not really tasting the wine and not not actually getting the benefit. But if you're going to drink with them, never ever open a second bottle because once you open the second bottle, you almost certainly drink that, and then you've both massively exceeded what would be a sensible daily intake. But if you're mm. a single person, it's much trickier, isn't it? If you're a single person, then you know once you've opened a bottle of wine, it's you know it's there's always this temptation to finish it. Professor that we have spoken, there is so much in there and this like absolutely fascinating conversation about drinking and how we do it healthily and how we do it in a way that serves us and kind of adds to our adds to the experience of life rather than taking away from it. Um, there is so much in there. If there is one tip that you have for our um, that our listeners could take away about how they can kind of foster this positive relationship with alcohol what would it be about 10 years now i sent this to, <laughs> i sent this to david cameron when he took over as prime minister trying to get a strategy together for how people should deal with drinking the strategy for drinking for the country and for the individual should be exactly the same strategy as as we all have for our weight we all know what our weight is for our cholesterol levels hopefully we'll know what our cholesterol levels are for our blood pressure, we all know what our blood pressure is, what we should do. You should know how much you drink. You should monitor in a very gentle way in your diary, just monitor over a couple of weeks what you drink. And if you are drinking above, certainly if you're drinking well above the threshold, the government's maximum threshold of 14 units a week, you should then try to reduce your drinking in the same way as if you're putting on weight, you should try to reduce your weight. If your blood pressure is going, so know what you're drinking. Always try to reduce it. And the best way to reduce it is to re get rid of drinks that don't give you benefit. So be 
be really analytical. Do you really need that third gin and tonic to have fun? When in fact, all that happens is that you actually get ill and you can't go to work the next day. So think about your drinking and try always to reduce how much you are drinking. Brilliant. Oh, Professor David Knight, it was so good to talk to you. Thanks very much for coming on Going for Gold. Thank you very much to all of you guys for listening. I hope you liked that episode um, and I hope it's given you lots to think about. It certainly has for me. Um, We'll be sticking some resources for healthy drinking in the show notes. um, So do go check those out if you want some further guidance. Um, And also the link to David's book is in there as well. All that's left to say is if you enjoyed this episode, please do rate and review on Apple Podcasts and remember to subscribe um, wherever you get your podcast so that you don't miss an episode. And if you've got a health goal in mind, all you need to do is drop us a message on Instagram. We're at Women's Health UK, by the way. But again, link to that is in the show notes. And tell us what you want our help with. Put Going for Goal in capital letters at the start of your message so we can't miss it. And hopefully your health goal could be the topic of an upcoming episode. Right, that is enough from me wittering on. I'll be back next week. Until then, take care, everyone. Bye. 